feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Lovely Rita, meet a maid. Nothing can come between us. When it gets dark, I tow your heart away. Standing by a parking meter. When I caught a glimpse of Rita. Filling in the ticket in a little white book. In a cap, she looked much older. Breaking news. And welcome to the Rita Cosby Show. We are still awaiting a official call on this. But right now, it appears that Harriet Hageman, the Trump-endorsed candidate there in Wyoming, is projected to beat Liz Cheney uh, in the Republican primary. That is a real, real biggie. Uh, it is, again, still officially too close to call. But right now, she is handily ahead. If you look at some of the early results that have come in, and pretty much it looks like it will be a defeat for Congresswoman Liz Cheney. Again, the Trump-endorsed candidate, Harriet Hageman, who we've had here on the show, um, who is somebody who is super well-known in Wyoming to people there in the state uh, and it looks like, based on the numbers, she is projected to beat Liz Cheney, who, of course, has been the congresswoman for so, so many years there in Wyoming. And this is, by the way, uh, an enormous win also for Donald Trump, because Harriet Hageman, again, who's a local official there, someone with veterans in her family, someone who is known very much to the community, who has been an advocate there in the state of Wyoming, she really took it to Liz Cheney in the fight and said that Liz Cheney doesn't have the interests of Wyoming's, uh, Wyoming citizens, that she basically has been so focused on national politics like January 6th, because remember, she is one of the leaders of the January 6th committee. She also voted, of course, to impeach President Trump very famously, remember, and has been an enormous critic of President Trump. So President Trump, needless to say, endorsed Harriet Hageman. And now the projections are coming in that it appears that Harriet Hageman will defeat Liz Cheney. So that ends Liz Cheney's political career in Wyoming. However, by the way, she got so much money. She raised $15 million in her race, Liz Cheney, 96% of it from out of state. And in fact, she was even getting Democrats to try to vote for her because in Wyoming, you can switch actually the voter rolls and you can vote in the Democrats. You know, if you're a Democratic Party, uh, you know, person, you can switch parties right before you vote. You can vote Republican in the Republican Party primary and then you can switch back to Democrat if you want. That's the way the system is. So she was actively soliciting Democrats and saying, hey, vote for me. And by the way, a lot of Democrats, I'm sure, were voting for her. They believed that the uh, voter rolls dropped in the Democrats and increased on the Republican side. And even despite that plea and despite the fact that $15 million was raised for Liz Cheney, the congresswoman, longtime congresswoman there from Wyoming, and, of course, the Cheney name, a big name in Wyoming, 
Uh, but the fact that she has very much been against President Trump, the fact that she's been leading the charge on the January 6th committee against President Trump, very viscerally against President Trump, clearly worked against her big time. And Harriet Hageman, who we've had here on the show, uh, it looks like is now poised to definitely defeat Congresswoman Liz Cheney. And that is a huge, huge blow to Liz Cheney and to the Cheney family. But you heard it here first. I think she may still run for president. And the reason I say that, apparently she has only spent about half of the money that was raised. And she can use it for other political campaigns. And she has said prior to tonight's decision, she was saying when she's been asked, are you going to run for president? She has kind of moved to the next topic, but hasn't denied that she would do it. And she has a pretty big war chest to at least get started if she wanted to, because you could she could use a lot of those funds towards a national national race like a presidential race. Uh, this is a biggie, a uh, big, big blow. So what are your thoughts, first of all, to Liz Cheney? Now it looks like losing to Harriet Hageman in the state of Wyoming, uh, a very, very big deal. And the fact that there will no longer be a congresswoman, Liz Cheney, uh, come very, very near future, uh, that this is basically a guarantee, of course, that Harriet Hageman will be there. And this is an enormous blow to Liz Cheney. What are your thoughts? Is this sort of payback for going up against President Trump? And is this a sign that other Trump candidates uh, are going to continue to do well. Most of them have done really well. As I'm thinking right now, I think about Mehmet Oz doing well in the primary, J.D. Vance, uh, Blake Masters doing well, a lot of the uh, Georgia candidates. I mean, a number of them have done really, really well. And a number of the candidates that have voted against President Trump, and I'm talking about in the impeachment process, like whether it was in the House or in the Senate, those people have not done well. So maybe this is definitely karma and payback time. And most of them have either dropped out of their races or lost their races. A majority of them at least have. And again, the big news that we just got that Liz Cheney is now not going to be Congresswoman Liz Cheney for much, much longer. What are your thoughts, everybody? It's 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let me go to Al, uh, line one. Al, your thoughts about all this? Hello, Rita. You know, I think if the numbers hold tonight uh, where Liz Cheney will go down to defeat, uh, I think they definitely will hold that way. I, can, I can't see her uh, pulling it off. So she'll be defeated tonight, and that was a big win for President Trump, former President Trump, because, as you know, Wyoming was a state where the Cheneys were so powerful uh, Dick Cheney served there as a congressman. Uh, he also, as you know, was the chief of staff for Gerald Ford, and he had a lot of support back in Wyoming. So it's a big win for Donald Trump, and I think if Liz Cheney does run for president, which I think is unlikely, is because if she tries to run for president, uh, if you look at the the, uh, where it starts in Iowa, I, don't, I can't see her having much support in Iowa. If she went to New Hampshire, maybe she might have some support. But then going to the South, that is Donald Trump's uh, a stronghold, and uh, she would be defeated. Uh, you know, I don't think she would have much of a chance. So I just wanted to point that out. Now, what do you make of the fact that it was somebody like Harriet Hageman 
who, um, you know, is decently, by the way, well known in Wyoming, but certainly not a national name, not like a big, big name. Um, by the way, she seems very dedicated to Wyoming. We've had her here on the show. Um, seems like a very much a principled, um, also a, a very, yes, you know, clear absolutely. conservative. What do you make of the fact that somebody like that who beat Liz Cheney? I mean, if somebody had said, gosh, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, prior to all the impeachment stuff, could Liz Cheney get voted out by somebody who is, you know, not as much of a political, uh, you know, dynamo, if you will. You know, like you mentioned the Cheney name. People go, are you kidding me? But the dynamics have changed so much given the position that yes. Liz Cheney has taken. Yeah, I think if Liz Cheney didn't take the position she uh, had taken and stayed close to uh, President Trump, uh, she would have easily, she wouldn't even probably been challenged in a primary, and she would have uh, stayed in there as congressperson for as long as she liked. But since she opted to go in the opposite direction, uh, she paid the price tonight, and now she is going to be a memory. Well, uh, I think she's going to keep trying, Al. I mean, if you read some of the tea leaves, you heard what I just said. Here's my prediction, and I just was looking at the money trail because as someone who's covered politics a long time, Al, and she has raised an enormous amount of money, by the way, mostly from out of state because, of course, uh, she's the darling of the Democrats and the darling of the never-Trumpers. And 96% of her money is from out of state. That's a stunning amount. And she's only used about half of the funds. So makes me wonder, what is she saving the other half for? Exactly. Yeah, you never know. We may you hear a lot know. more. You never know. Uh, thanks so much, Al. You're Thank great. You. You're great. Let's go to Sam. Uh, line three. Sam, your thoughts about Liz Cheney uh, with the results now showing that uh, she has lost the primary to Harriet Hageman. Go ahead. The thought of her absolutely running for president is ludicrous. She she wouldn't be able to run for dog catcher. She's going to use the money to give packs to be able to go against Trump, but she's done politically. She's going to get a host on CNBC or CNN. Yeah, well, you know what? Actually, that's an interesting point because you're right. Maybe she's going to try for some uh, gig there and try to get on one of those shows. L- look at like she can what? It could be like Saki and Cheney, right? You know? <laughs> The Saki and Cheney yeah. hour, right? I can just imagine that one. The circle back hour. Exactly. That's right. And there would be no Trump bashing, I'm sure, between the two of them. Can you imagine? Every other word would be ultra MAGA, Trump, ultra MAGA, ultra MAGA. That would be um, must listen to radio. I'm being facetious. Um, Sam, do you I think? Mean, do you think though she has a political future in terms of higher office? I know you say you say no, none, but none but what about what about? Party. What about like what about some of the never Trumpers? What about, you know, like the ad? I think there is going to be a candidate that will fit that lane. I'm not saying, you know, I'm not saying, uh, you know, it's the right lane. I'm just saying to you that I do see like between a her or an Adam Kinzinger or there's, you know, somebody like that is going to try to. He's he's another one who's done. That's why he retired because his political career is shot. He shot himself in the foot. And basically, Trump is going to run unopposed. Nobody's going to run against him. And she has, like I said, she's done in the, in the Republican Party. She might be able to run in the Democratic Party. They love her. That's right. You know, You're they right. Love Rom- they love Mitt Romney, they, Susan Collins, all these rhinos. And what he's going to do differently in 2024, he's going to clean shop. He learned his mistakes. 
No question. Although maybe there's some independent line or just like you said, maybe she runs on the Democratic side. That would be really interesting. Sam, thank you very much. Let's go to Norm. Line two. Norm, your thoughts about this? I don't believe she's lost. I think that they're going to pull something last second. Uh, a large amount of maybe Bronco horses in was in uh, Wyoming or their mail-in votes are going to be uh, counted, and uh, she's going to squeak through. Hey, well, it looks like it's a done deal. Uh, is in the last minute or two, Norm. So I, I don't know if any buffalo are coming in with, um, you know, with votes uh, or anything like that. Um, what's your What are your thoughts, Norm? I, I know you're not a fan of Liz Cheney. I know that. No, no, I'm not a fan of Liz Cheney. Um, I don't really like. I, okay, there's no mail-in voting there, right? So they so they they can't have the last-minute Buffalo uh, voting. Uh, yeah, maybe you're, maybe you're right, but you know I'm not going to count my chickens before they hatch. When she concedes, I uh, you know I'll say okay, you know she lost. Um, she is the daughter of the deep state meister, uh, Dick Cheney. Uh, these people are incredibly powerful. And uh, after 2020, uh, anything's possible. So when she concedes and it's over, I'll say, well, Harriet Hageman won. Until then, I, uh, you know, anything's possible. Uh, I, I, you know, I don't... Uh, I don't give these people anything. Um, her future? Yeah, she'll run for president uh, if, you know, says something like that. Uh, whether she'll win or not, there'll be a whole other issue. I won't vote for her. But, uh, you know, we'll see. I think, I, she, I think uh, she's going to have a hard time. I think she'll have a hard time running uh, for president. But <laughs> I, I, my gut is Norm. I think she's going to do it. I, I think she's oh, yeah. going to do it given – She's going to try to get like sort of in that anti-Trump lane. And again, who knows? Maybe she might even switch parties or or be in this sort of never Trumper party. She'll create the never Trumper party. Um, But it'll sure be interesting to see. I think there's something else up her sleeve because the way she's answered questions of late, like if you don't win because she was projected to probably not win based on the latest polls. I mean, Harriet Hageman, even in some of the earlier earlier polls I was looking at, had a 30-point lead. That was an enormous lead. You don't always know with polls, but um, it was a pretty clear uh, sense that she would lose tonight. And Cheney still tiptoed around it. She never said, oh, no, I'm not thinking about running for president or I'm not going to run for something else. So for that reason... Uh, I thought that was pretty interesting to see. Uh, let's go to Teddy, line five. Teddy, your thoughts. Uh, how you doing, Rita? Rita, even though I'm a Democrat, I vote for integrity. And I would vote for Liz Cheney if I lived in Wyoming. And I would vote for Liz Cheney if she was the nominee for president. And, you know, that's why I, I've always tried to say to you, Rita, I'm balanced. I look at both sides, unlike all of your callers, Norm and Phil and the rest of them. They're all sycophants of this right-wing mentality. They would never vote for a Democrat. But on the air, I am telling you, I would vote for Liz Cheney because she has integrity and honesty, and she stands by those values. And I want everyone who listens to you to hear what I had to say. And for people last night, somebody called up and said, uh, Teddy's uh, just a, a Trump hater. Yeah, I, I despise Trump because he's a liar and he has no integrity and he's a crook. 
and he should go to jail. And it's vile that I'm surprised. Rita, one other thing. You say to me you're constantly that you're an independent. David was right from Riverdale. You're not an independent, Rita. The way you talk, I have people who listen. Teddy, they, Teddy, 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 please. I, I, I hate people who ramble, and that's what you're continuing to do, but I did want you to get in because I love hearing all sides. Um, you clearly, you sit there and say, I mean, you're sitting here mocking other people who are calling in. I mean, because they like President Trump. So how are you being fair? You're sitting here saying that you're the fair guy, but anybody who calls in and supports Trump is not fair. I mean, to me, uh, that is really hypocritical of you. I mean, if you sit there and you think that your way is the only way, uh, that's a sad place to be. I love hearing from everybody. I love hearing your thoughts, Teddy, but I'm not going to have you sit and mock other callers or, or mock somebody who believes in justice and they believe uh, in another candidate than you do. Uh, that's un-American, Ted, but you're welcome to call back anytime. Thanks so much. Let's go to Robert, line one. Go ahead, Robert. Hey, it's nice to talk to you again, Rita. Um, I just wanted to suggest something that hasn't been talked about. The last time Murkowski ran in the Senate in Alaska, they primaried her and beat her. And she turned around and ran as a third-party candidate and managed to win her seat back. I think Liz Cheney is going to try to do the same thing in Wyoming with the money she saved from her primary. Ah, that's an interesting thing. And actually, I don't know the answer to that, Robert, if she can run. If it's, if there's, I don't know what the deadline is to run. I'm going to take a look at that because you're saying that she would still run for this seat, but just as an independent here, because remember, it's a different state. Then Murkowski's Alaska. Uh, but I don't know what the rules are in Wyoming if she can suddenly jump in the race or if she already missed some deadline. I'm going to look at that, Robert. Really, really interesting. Robert, thank you very, very much. You gave a good food for thought. And when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, the person that Teddy just loves so much, President Trump, because now he is saying that the affidavit should be released what do you think? 1-800-848-9222. It's the Rita Cosby Show. to the Rita Cosby show. Now, multiple news outlets are projecting that Liz Cheney has been defeated in the Wyoming GOP primary. This is an enormous loss for the Cheney family, which has reigned supreme really there in Wyoming for a long time. And by the way, in her speech right now, uh, she is just throwing barbs left and right at President Trump, which is part of the reason I think many voted against her in that state. If you look at people that were questioned today by many news outlets and they were asked, who are you going to vote for? And they said, Harriet Hageman. Uh, they said, we don't like Liz Cheney, that she has been so nasty against former President Trump. But she is going out swinging and she is saying that Trump's election lies are, quote, a path I could not take. She's also vehemently going up against those who supported President Trump. And she is also saying, quote, this primary is over. So it sure sounds like a concession speech. But now the real work begins. Signaling 
that maybe there is more to come. You just heard from Robert. We're going to look into that if she could possibly run on an independent line in Wyoming or if maybe she is looking at potentially running for president or something else. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Don in Colorado, line three. Uh, Don, your thoughts about this? Yes, uh, you have a great talk show. I listen to you on my smart speaker. I'm enjoying it quite much. WABC is making a great comeback. Thank you, Don. In America, if not not New York City. Go ahead, Don, real quick. Anyway, uh, Wyoming rejected Liz Cheney, obviously, because, I mean, this is a a statement saying, you know what, we're tired of the Bush-Cheney dynasty. We're going to take our chances with Donald Trump. I don't like everything that he does, but... For right now, he still leads the MAGA movement. We still need uh, people that will stand up for our values. And it's uh, going to be hard to find different blood right now. Well, it's going to be interesting. And you're right. This is clearly a message. Don, I'm so glad that you're tuning in from the beautiful state of Colorado. That's wonderful. And when we come back, everybody, Don says it's MAGA time. And we're going to talk about Trump and the affidavit. It's the Rita Cosby Show. Cosby Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, which I love doing every night here on the Rita Cosby Show, where we honor our great law enforcement and, of course, their families. From the moment the call came in, the Austral Georgia police knew that they had to act quickly. They got a 911 caller who called in saying that there's a person standing on a bridge and there's a person that is about to jump. Well, Officer Justin Richardson responded and he put his crisis training into action, saving the life of a man threatening to jump from the LG Landers Memorial Bridge. The police chief there said it's very challenging and scary for the officer uh, and obviously for the man that was going to jump off of there. And by the way, this is the second mental health call of its kind in as many months in Austral, Georgia. Officers also intervened and saved the life of a woman who narrowly jumped from the Joe Jenkins Bridge after receiving a health diagnosis. The interim police chief there said, it's heart-wrenching, it really is. It breaks my heart to see the police video for sure, because you can tell that these people are desperate and they really, really need some help. And how beautiful that police are there to help them, and that in these two cases we're able to save both of their lives. Well, we are talking now about the Trump affidavit because in the last few hours or so, President Trump has come out swinging and he says it is time to release the affidavit, which was used for the search warrant to raid his Mar-a-Lago home last week. And what you have to show in the affidavit is just cause for it to go to the magistrate judge. And the magistrate judge has to look at it and say, Okay, well, this is enough information. This is based on a grand jury decision. It's based on testimony, witnesses. There's a whole bunch of things that could be in the affidavit typically, and especially when you're dealing with somebody like the president of the United States. And so far, they have not released the affidavit, at least not publicly. They seem to be drip, drip, dripping it to a couple leaks, at least to several members in the media on the liberal side. They seem to be giving little inklings, so they're definitely doing some drips 
But why are they not officially releasing it? And should they? So I want to hear your thoughts on this tonight because this is a very, very big deal. And so far, uh, the judge and the court have basically said no. But what they have said is that there will be a hearing this Thursday at 1 o'clock. And probably immediately the judge will then make a decision as to whether or not they will release the affidavit. And I bet you that they might do it almost immediately. Um, they could maybe do a redacted form or maybe they black out like, you know, the names of the witnesses for sure or maybe certain things that are um, very sensitive nature or could put somebody in jeopardy if they had testified privately. Um, a lot of people testify, obviously, in the condition of anonymity. There's a lot of things that could be. So maybe it's a partial release. Maybe there's something or maybe they just say too bad. But that's not good enough for President Trump. And he just says this is outrageous. And I understand if I were him, by the way, this is really unusual because typically the person who gets uh, the raid and you call it sort of the target of the investigation, if you will, and the person who's the target typically doesn't want the affidavit release because usually there's some really personal information in there. Usually it's like embarrassing. And here's what we found to justify to get a search warrant of the president of the United States. Typically, it's like not going to be good. It's kind of embarrassing info. And that's why it's pretty unusual that President Trump, uh, you know, for all the critics like Teddy out there and Stan and everybody out there, um, it's very unusual that they're actually putting it out there. And here is President Trump saying, listen, I would like that affidavit released. He's saying, I would say quote, it was highly unlikely as we can. He is saying uh, there is no way to justify the unannounced raid of Mar-a-Lago. The former president wrote on Truth Social. He says the home of the 45th president of the United States, who got more votes by far than any sitting president in the history of this country. And he also says, but in the interest of transparency, I now call for the immediate release of the completely unredacted affidavit pertaining to this horrible and shocking break-in. So what do you make of the president's statement? Well, you just heard a little bit. That was a tease. That's what we call a tease of Alina Haba. And Alina is one of the president's personal attorneys. And this is what she said of what she expects to come on Thursday. I would say it was highly unlikely. As we can see, the DOJ is already saying that they do not want us to see what was in the affidavit. Usually that's to protect witnesses um, and other things that have been cooperating with the justice system. So while I would love to see it and understand why you would ask for a raid with a cooperating president, do I believe that this judge is going to reveal it? No, I do not. And Alina Haba also, by the way, said that this judge in particular, she also just had a case that was with this judge and dealt with Hillary Clinton and Trump. And the judge recused himself because he said he had a conflict of interest. But he doesn't have a conflict of interest in this case. I mean, that's a little bizarre. And she said this judge is not really appropriately handled to be focused on this case, that he should not be the guy overseeing this case And she's asking for an independent party to step in. And she says so far the court is saying nada, 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 nada. Take a listen. You mentioned that this magistrate uh, removed himself from the case between Trump and and Hillary Clinton. So isn't Donald Trump in this case, in the release of the affidavit, isn't he entitled to an impartial magistrate, which doesn't seem like Judge Reinhardt is? 
Right. Absolutely, as is every citizen in this country. That's why we have the legal system. That's why we're ha supposed to have impartial judges. Um, but absolutely, he is. We've asked for a special master with the DOJ. I believe they've indicated that they would not want an independent special master, which would be fantastic because it would be a neutral party, like you said, and it would preclude any funny business, for lack of better words. It would preclude any funny business. So should this judge be hearing this case? And should we see the affidavit? 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Christopher in Vermont on line five. Christopher, you're here on the Rita Cosby show. Go ahead, Chris. Yes. Hi, Rita. Yes. I, I saw, I, I've been following this thing very closely on the internet and I saw photographs of this this magistrate, uh, Bruce, uh, I can't think of his name, but I saw photographs of him on the Lolita Express with a, uh, a package of Oreo cookies on his lap. Yeah, I think, bottle, by the way, Chris, early times. Uh, Chris, Chris, hang on. Actual. Hey, Chris, I, I just got to interrupt you because I think that picture, as it turns out, I, I remember seeing somewhere, um, I know what you're referring to, I believe is not an actual picture. I think it was sort of doctored or something, because I remember hearing that come out. Um, uh, so, But he did apparently represent Epstein. I think there was some tie to Epstein. So there's some relationship there, but I believe that particular picture um, is not what it appears to be. So go ahead, Chris. I, I didn't mean to uh, bring that into uh uh, but I have no way of knowing that. But uh, he he represented Epstein for ten years. Yes, he had I mean, right. He and, had a tie to he, him. And then yeah. he recused himself because of the uh, the lawsuit against Hillary because of the uh, the, the uh, Steele uh, dossier. And and now, of course, he uh, is okay to pursue Donald Trump. On the other hand, I mean, the whole thing is ridiculous. It is stunning, isn't it, that he is still the judge on this case if he recuses himself. On another case, and yet on this one, he feels like he can be impartial. And also, you know, the other thing, too, Chris, he also put out comments publicly, like during the time of John Lewis, when there was the back and forth between President Trump and oh, John I Lewis. Yeah, I, I, I saw them. Yeah, I saw them where he trashed Trump. Yeah. Because of John Lewis. I mean, and that John alone, just that alone, advantage. that alone should be the, the end of his impartiality. Exactly. I mean, uh, I, that it's actually really stunning to me. That he is still the judge on this case. I mean, if I were the Trump team, I would say, here's exhibit one. Here's tweet number one, um, you know, or comment number one that he made about John Lewis. Why is he still the judge? You know, I mean, it just doesn't make sense. I think they're probably they're probably going to come forward with that, I would imagine. I would imagine. I mean, first, let's see if he'll release it. So I don't. But let me ask you on the release question. Do you think he's going to release the affidavit or no? Well, it's a six to one, half a dozen the other, because they apparently they, there was a 90 day limitation on bringing on going to raid the, uh, the, the Mar-a-Lago because of 90 days away from an election. And and then they did it just on the verge of the 90 days. Yep. And now they're saying that they can't release anything because it might in, impact the investigation. So the investigation continues and it, it, it just to incite perhaps violence on the part of uh, Trump supporters and also to uh, fuel their an antagonism against him during the, uh, this election, pro uh, you know, the, the midterms. You know, so I, I 
it's so cynical. It's just so cynical. It is. Well, the, well, the double standards, and that's what, as someone, you know, and you look at all the different cases and the way these, like, archive documents have been handled in the past, Christopher, this is not consistent with the way that past cases have been handled uh, for Democrats. It's outrageous what we're seeing so far. And because it is such an unusual, unprecedented case, I think they should release at least some of it, even if it's redacted. You know, I understand why they want to maybe protect uh, sources or, you know, witnesses and a number of things. Um, but there's a way to do things in redacted or redact X pages or something, because the American public deserves to know. By the way, President Trump deserves to know. Uh, I mean, so far we're hearing that there, oh, there was some big rush as to why they had to go in and do this raid. Um, and now we're also hearing conflicting reports in the last few days from the Wall Street Journal essentially saying that Garland had meetings for weeks trying to decide if they should do a raid or not. So which is it? Is it, gosh, we got to hurry up and do a raid or else for national security reasons? Uh, and that's why we got to do a raid versus a subpoena. Or they talked for weeks trying to decide. That doesn't sound like something so pressing if they could have meetings back and forth. And we're still led to believe that President Biden and the White House had no clue, even though they talk probably, you know, several times a day. I mean, I, you know, I got a couple bridges to sell you if you believe that one. Um, Christopher, thank you. Really, really great. Let's go to BJ. Line three. BJ, your thoughts. You know, I take exception to people that say Trump supporters and violence. If you're if you're engaged in violence, uh, uh, illegal violence, you're not supporting Trump. Even if you think you are, you're not supporting Trump. Okay, I support Trump. I don't have anything to do with anyone that does violence. So there's that. I I just needed to say that. But getting back to your original question. And by the way, who uh, said that? I think a caller said that, right? I think one of our previous callers said this and they they don't want it. They want to hold back uh, releasing any information because of uh, so-called violence. There's no violence. That that I I, I don't you know that, that I I don't any of my friends that support Trump. Hey BJ, uh, what what about the summer of love? Uh, all the riots around the country. Exactly, <laughs> that's a different party. Exactly, I know. I'm Teddy being facetious. That. Exactly, <laughs> right? No, no. Teddy doesn't see any of that. Remember, you know, Teddy's no. tiptoeing through the tulips. Go ahead. No, but but I wanted to say this. There's no releasing of the the affidavit. Uh, Garland's story has already fallen apart. Uh, But it strikes me very strange that, uh, you know, when they want to find a Supreme Court opinion and leak it to the media, there's no problem in doing that. But this this is this is somewhere, you know, this is somewhere in a time capsule, this information. You know, I mean, you know, this this whole story falls apart. Uh, This is nothing more than a dumpster fire to distract against Biden's uh, bad report card on all fronts. And uh, frankly, uh, the longer it goes on, the worse it is for this administration, because people, even if you don't support Donald Trump, you don't like this abuse of power. And when these these fools that get up and they say, oh, this is great thing for us, Uh, Trump's getting his comeuppance and all this other stuff – they don't even get it. They're throwing out the Constitution to go after a person they don't like his face. They can do that to you, too. If they don't if they get up one morning and decide they don't like your face, they can do that to you and me and anyone else, because if they can get a former president, what chance does Joe Average have? Oh, absolutely. So, and that's why, you know, BJ, I'm glad you said what you just said, because that is really the heart of it all. And that's what bothers me. And I use this expression 
you know, that that lady justice is supposed to be fair to everybody and blind, uh, you know, colorblind and party blind and all that because it's supposed to be equally distributed. And just like you said, you know, I'm sitting here looking at it and going, wait a minute, that's not what they've done in the past with other documents. Uh, that's not what they've done in the past with X. So you're right. There, there seems to be two very different systems of justice. And if there's something more, then let's see what it is. Let's see what's in the affidavit. Let's see what it is. But so far, it sounds like a lot of a fishing expedition and the fact that they also even had three of his passports. Uh, which at first they kind of, it sounded like, uh, they weren't saying they did at least, or at least they were releasing to CBS News that they weren't or whatever. And then it turned out that they did have three of his passports. You know, uh, one of them I think was inactive. One was a diplomatic one, which all presidents have. Uh, and they had to return them. You know, so how did they suddenly, they got his passports when they were going through boxes? Were they in such a rush, even though they were there all day that they just kind of threw it in? What else do they have? And according to Trump's team, they also have a lot of documents that are attorney-client privilege. I mean, that's outrageous. I, I At this point, the way that they have handled the raid and the way that they went after and the targeting of him, uh, given all of this, that they have now attorney-client privilege documents, clearly they weren't very careful because they got the passports. Who knows what else they've got? But they clearly have documents that they probably should not have And we're trusting that they're not going to look at them or they're going to, quote, unsee them. In other words, they're going to forget that they saw they're going to read through it, but then they're not going to use any of the information or have a bearing on the case. I mean, that's unbelievable. You know, I mean, that's like, you know, somebody goes through your house, they go through your bank account and then they go, oh, I'm so sorry. I found all this information, but we're not going to use it that you had this private discussion with blank, blank and blank. And and it comes at a time, BJ, which, and I know you know this because you've been following this case a lot, um, where they've been stopping Trump's attorneys. They stopped uh, John Eastman, who was his attorney, who we've seen, you know, questioned a bit or playing the video a lot during the January 6th, uh, you know, hearings. And they suddenly stopped him and grabbed his cell phone. I mean, you know, they're grabbing other people's phones. They raided Rudy Giuliani's home and office. I mean, it's like. They're going after anybody who kind of like worked with Trump. Um, and we also know, by the way, in the last few hours, we're getting word that they also interviewed Pat Cipollone, who was the official White House counsel, not President Trump's private, but the official White House counsel who we've seen clips of in the January 6 hearings. And also uh, two other guys, um, two others. One was a deputy. One was another person who was sort of uh, related to counsel's office. Uh, but regarding this declassification and also the documents. So they're trying to find out clearly were these documents declassified? What was the policy that Trump had with documents that were classified or top secret? I mean, they're clearly like going after everybody and anybody. And you're supposed to feel comfortable that these people who raided his house suddenly when they probably could have done a subpoena and by all accounts from the Trump side, they were cooperating uh, that suddenly they're supposed to be trusted with everything they have right now. All these like stunning private documents, personal documents. Uh, I, I mean, that to me, sadly, years ago, I would have said, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But now I go, heck no. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. It's the Rita Cosby Show.
And we are talking about the affidavit tied to the search warrant of President Trump's Mar-a-Lago home. There's going to be a big hearing this Thursday. All eyes are going to be on that. Will a judge release the actual affidavit? He released the search warrant and the list of items seized, but not the full affidavit, not any of the affidavit explaining what was the justification for the warrant. What was the information you got? Let's see what you got. And Trump is saying, put it all out there. He wants to have it out in the public. And Jonathan Turley, the great constitutional scholar, who's not always, by the way, a Trump fan, um, he kind of comes on different sides of the aisle. He says that the DOJ should release it because clearly they are leaking to the press. So why not put it out there? This judge has this hearing. He's going to look a bit foolish when he upholds this seal uh, on the basis of a Department of Justice that's been leaking like a sieve. So apparently they're telling the New York Times and Washington Post all types of things about what's in this affidavit, but they won't tell the public. And this is also a unique case where the target of the uh, of this uh, of the raid is waiving objections. That's usually not the case because these affidavits are usually one-sided and very damning. Uh, usually, the target is not eager to have it be made public. Yeah. So the court's going to be in a rather awkward position. And the target is President Donald Trump. And also, Jonathan Turley says, "Yeah, it is legally, uh, you know, something that's acceptable that could be done. It's rare." But it could be released by the court. Take a listen. Affidavits are released. They can be released. And they can be released in redacted form. And so uh, as with the warrant itself, the the position of the Department of Justice is really sort of overbearing. I mean, clearly the Justice Department can give more information on the basis for this raid, what was uh, discussed in June, what happened between June and the raid. You don't even have to release the affidavit to release that type of information. Yeah, you could give at least more details. What are your thoughts, everybody? 1-800-848-9222. Uh, let's go to Rich, line three, go, uh, line five. Go ahead, Rich. Hey, hi, Rita. Hi, Rita. How are you? I'm good. What do you think? Uh, uh, well, you know, what I think is that when the last time that I spoke to you about the uh, doctrine of the fruit of a poisonous tree, I truly believe that, uh, that the uh, Department of uh, Justice is trying to circumvent uh, the rights of the uh, president of the United States, Mr. Donald Trump. It says because on the amendment, they try to serve it as the right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable search and seizures shall not be violated, and no warrants shall issue upon upon probable cause supported by oath and affirmation and particularly describing the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized. By the way, I'm glad, and Rich, I'm glad you're reading this real quick um, because we just have a few seconds, but you bring up a good point because it was so broad, and we don't know what the justification is. The Department of Justice just wants us to believe that, oh, they had justification, but they're not giving us any evidence of that. What, What are your thoughts real quick? Well, my thoughts real quick is this. Number one, they should go after the judge. Send him to the appellate division for, for, for doing uncouth things that, that doesn't suit anything. Because right now, they're trying to cover everything up and stitch everything up. And Rich, I, sorry, we got to go to a break. We're going to continue after this. 
Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for. It's the Rita Cosby Show. I know your name is Rita. Because you're probably smelling sweet. Since when I saw you down on the floor. Breaking news. And you are listening here to the Rita Cosby Show. Polls closing in Wyoming and Alaska tonight. We'll keep you posted on results from Alaska. Meantime, from Wyoming, a big blow to three-term Congresswoman Liz Cheney, who has lost in her bid to keep her seat as a Congresswoman there in Wyoming's first district. And she has lost to Harriet Hageman handily lost. And if you look at some of the numbers that came in with the results so far, uh, 62.5% to Hageman, 33.4% to Liz Cheney. That is a blowout. And Liz Cheney will no longer be the congresswoman, of course, from Wyoming. Take a listen. Here is a little bit of her concession speech just a few minutes ago. No House seat. No office in this land is more important than the principles that we are all sworn to protect. And I well understood the potential political consequences of abiding by my duty. Our republic relies upon the goodwill of all candidates for office to accept honorably the outcome of elections. And tonight, Harriet Hegeman has received the most votes in this primary. She won. I called her to concede the race. This primary election is over, but now the real work begins. So what's ahead for Liz Cheney? Is she planning on running for president? As some people suspect, she still has money in her war chest. And she's definitely liked, by the way, by the Democrats and the never Trumpers because she has been basically Donald Trump's fiercest Republican adversary in Congress of course, leading the charge during the January 6th committee hearings, as you saw, and has been blistering Trump. And even in her exit, where she lost to Trump-backed Harriet Hageman, uh, she took a barb at Trump and his supporters. Take a listen. This is just a few minutes ago. Two years ago, I won this primary with 73% of the vote. I could easily have done the same again. The path was clear. But it would have required that I go along with President Trump's lie about the 2020 election. It would have required that I enable his ongoing efforts to unravel our democratic system and attack the foundations of our republic. That was a path I could not and would not take. So what do you think is ahead for Liz Cheney? Do you think she's going to run for president? Do you think she has any chance can you imagine if it turns out to be like a Trump versus Cheney matchup? Boy, that will be one for the ages. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Al real quick on line three. Al, your thoughts. Oh, 
Hello? Hey, Al, go ahead. You're here Hi. on the show. Hi, Rita. Hi, Rita. How are you? Good. Um, yeah, I just want to say I'm so glad that that disingenuous rhino, Liz Cheney, was voted out, voted out of office or lost her primary. You know, in her relentless pursuit of Donald Trump, it's just so it's just so unjustified. And, and uh, regardless of what Teddy, Teddy from, I guess he's from Yonkers or whatever, whatever he says about it, he's just off the mark so much. And by the way, in Wyoming, Wyoming loves Trump. I mean, that was the state that he won the largest margin during the 2020 campaign. Um, so I don't know who she thought she was appealing to. And do you think she has a political future, though, beyond Wyoming, Alfred? Because it sounds like she's thinking about it. I mean, she hasn't ruled it out. She hasn't said yes, but she's not ruling it out. And I think that's really interesting. In my opinion, Rita, I don't think she has a shot at becoming president. I mean, um, unless unless the American people are totally have went totally obots, if you'll pardon the expression. <laughs> hey, I know what that is. I can translate that. <laughs> Alfred, you're great. Thank you so much. Love the call. Thanks so much. Meantime, tonight on the President Trump front, he is pushing to get. The affidavit unsealed. This is, of course, the affidavit that was the justification for the FBI raid last week. And take a listen, because as this is dragging out, this is clearly not looking good for the DOJ and FBI that they suddenly go into a president's home. They took also his passports, according to the Trump team. Uh, they also took attorney-client privilege information. Um, so who knows what else they have there? And this sudden raid, remember, that was in the wee hours of the morning. And they were there for many, many hours and took many, many boxes out, all again over documents that are national security related. So they say. So we're supposed to believe them that this was justified to go into a former president's home and not even demand to see more information? Well, President Trump is now saying, yeah, let's get it out there. We want to see the affidavit, put out the affidavit. And I think that's the smart thing to do. And even John Bolton, who was his former national security advisor, who, by the way, is not a big fan of President Trump, as you know, because they parted ways in not a very nice way. Um, even he said that on the political front, Trump is winning. And the DOJ, the fact that they are not saying enough to justify raiding the home of a former president, he says, looks really bad for this administration, the Biden administration. Take a listen. I think we've got to distinguish between the legal battle that's going on and the political battle. I think the Justice Department position sounds perfectly reasonable on the legal battle, but on the on the political battle, I think they're being overwhelmed by Donald Trump. You know, if we were in a coliseum with two gladiators, uh, one of them Donald Trump, the other Merrick Garland, we'd be about to witness the slaughter of the lambs. So my bet's on Russell Crowe. And Gladiator, my bets on that, John Bolton. So this is what Lindsey Graham had to say. Uh, he said that, you know what, Garland leaking and then saying, no, we're not going to give out the documents officially, that that's really underhanded. Take a listen. 
When it comes to Trump, there are no rules. Every Republican should be suspicious of what's happened in the past, happening again. So we need the affidavit. Show your cards. Uh, Merrick Garland can't have it both ways. He can't give us the inventory of the warrant without telling us why it was necessary to raid the former president's home. And there was uh, no less intrusive method available. Yeah, come on. And then he waited and they went back and forth, as he was just saying, in the Wall Street Journal, according to reports, they were having meeting after meeting, deciding if there should be a raid. And they want us to believe that they never talked to the White House about it for weeks. And then suddenly something was so imminent that they had to go in. It clearly wasn't because they were trying to decide if they needed a search warrant or not for an imminent reason. And if it was so imminent, why were they able to have all these meetings to discuss it for weeks? It just doesn't match up. Something is awry here in Denmark. So take a listen. Here is Trey Gowdy from the great state of South Carolina, where I went to college. When you use the word authorized or unauthorized, I mean, the FBI and DOJ love to play this kind of tap dance where their policy is not to discuss or even confirm the existence of an investigation. But but we I, I learned the eight years I was there, uh, they leak like sieves. I, I mean, they leak like like junior high school kids. So we'll see if they get put under oath, whether the judge ask whether or not the Bureau or the department is doing any of the leaking. And Trey Gowdy also said that it they're really in a box because clearly there are leaks and they're too liberal media. This is what are some of the nuggets. That's what this is. I mean, you could just see that they're clearly folks in those departments or who have access to the paperwork, and it's probably very tightly held there. So it's got to be some of the agents or supervisors tied to it. It's not like a clerk who's suddenly just typing it in uh, that decides to call out. But clearly they're leaking to the buddies in the press. And how is that fair to President Trump? How is that fair to justice? It is not. Take a listen to my buddy from South Carolina, Trey Gowdy. If I'm the judge, I'm kind of wondering how come reporters for the Times and the Post can know what's in the affidavit, but the target or putative defendant cannot? Yeah, that is a terrible double standard. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Salvador in New Jersey. Line A, go ahead, Salvador, your thoughts. What I find most appalling is that they went to a magistrate who has, who appears to have at least a conflict of interest, who made negative tweets about Trump. Regardless of how you feel about Trump, the cases in the Supreme Court are legion that the warrant requirement is premised upon a finding by an independent neutral fact finder of probable cause. And I don't understand how in the world anybody could characterize this gentleman as an independent neutral fact finder if what everybody's been reporting in the media is true. No, and by the the way, you're right. Uh, It is true that he made comments in the past that were derogatory, very much so, saying, you know, he doesn't have the moral fiber compared to John Lewis. Uh, he also recused himself on a not too uh, distant case. I mean, it was very recently um, in a case that was Trump versus Hillary Clinton because of some comments and some things in his background. So you go, you say, wait a minute, just like you said, and especially when you're deciding something as serious 
as going into the home of the former president of the United States. You should make sure not just does it look impartial, but is it overly impartial? I mean, you should go through hoops and leaps to make sure that there is zero conflict of interest. And this one to me looks pretty obvious that that he's not impartial or at least he appears not to be and should have been, you know, removed. He should not have been the person deciding this. Um, to me, it's stunning that he felt he could decide this or that DOJ went to him because you look at the background of the judge. It was pretty quick that it came out publicly. Some of these things he's done in the past, uh, it would take two seconds. A, a law clerk could find it in two seconds. So it makes me wonder, Sal, like, A, why did they bring it to him? Did they know that he would hurry up and sign off on it because he doesn't like Trump? Uh, why did they bring it to him? And why did he not recuse himself? There's there's two mistakes there. What what I why do you think that happened, Sal? Well, the pro he was probably I would think if they were operating in any realm of legitimacy, the magistrate on duty. But in, but like you but, said, but but they, they didn't have to do it then. They they were going back and forth deliberating whether they're going to do it. So there was no. It didn't have to be that minute. It wasn't like uh. It wasn't like you know there's a a helicopter taking off with the documents at 0500. You know well, it wasn't James Bond. You're 100 correct, and that's what leads me to believe. You know, that you have to question, regardless of how you feel about Trump, you have to question the DOJ's. Modus operandi here, going to a magistrate that they know is that they should have known at least is impartial. It's just it's outrageous. It is. And they and they had time to research it, Sal, too. That's the thing. You know, it's not because it wasn't like suddenly um, I'll even play further devil's advocate. They had time to because they were going back and forth on whether to do it or not. They clearly had time to research who was going to be the magistrate on duty. You know, you, you know, you don't just if they had their time to get their ducks in order and to, quote, plan. Well, then they clearly had time to plan which judge it goes before. You know, otherwise, they, otherwise they shouldn't be in law school. You know, I mean, these are seasoned attorneys. If I were if if I were advising Trump at this point, I would be if there's going to be hearings on this, which I which I doubt there's going to be any release of the affidavit. But if there were, if this gentleman continues, I would bring an interlocutory appeal or file a judicial ethics complaint against him. Yep, absolutely. One thousand percent. By the way, are you an attorney? You sound like you are. Yeah, yes, I am. OK, good. So let me ask you from your legal perspective. Um Do you think they're probably waiting? I would gather just to sort of see. What gets out, what doesn't get out, and I would imagine they would do uh, at least a judicial ethics complaint. I was thinking the same thing. Well, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't recognize any of the uh, Trump's current lawyers, uh, so I, I don't know what their strategy is. I think Trump, knowing Trump, he's, you know, he's he's taking the position let's release it, but he knows in his heart of hearts it's not going to be released. So I think politically it it serves his interest. And again, I I have no axe to grind against Trump, but the point of, in my view, the point of the matter should be, and it shouldn't matter whether it's the president or it's Joe Schmo in the street. 
every Supreme Court case that you read, whether decided by Bill Brennan or William Rehnquist, say that the warrant requirement requires an independent judicial officer. And this guy just isn't one. And the DOJ is just playing into the you're going to end up with a civil war in this country if everybody keeps on bringing everything to this heightened perspective. Right. No, absolutely. But but and to me, it's shocking that that they have not they may not release the affidavit. But what I'm wondering, Sal, um, that they may maybe partially maybe they'll redact some of it or give maybe more information um, you know, in the warrant, maybe some more aspects to it or some other documents that we haven't seen yet. I just think there may be something, don't you? Because to me, there is such an outcry of what happened here. Who is this judge? And the DOJ and, you know, the FBI just want us to believe that everything was warranted and just take our word for it. And this, because it is such an extenuating case with a former president of the United States, um, you know, there is a high bar and and there's a lot of questions with this judge, which you and I are talking about. I'll be curious if they feel there's something they can put out. Um, maybe it's not, you know, full throttle, but maybe it's something. Well, but, you know, my view on the whole thing and um, is that this country is on the brink of a civil war between Trump supporters and Trump haters. And all this is all this is doing is fueling what we're gonna end up with is if if they indict Trump, you're gonna have January sixth is gonna look like a a a, a small skirmish. I mean they have to consider the practical consequences as well. But they don't seem to be. And, and you know, Sal, the, the sad reality, and I hear what you're saying. Um, by the way, I, I was happy to see that President Trump came out in one of his comments. It was yesterday um, where he said that I'm urging calm, basically, you know, and asking for tensions to be calmed down in this country because he sees it, too. Um, I just don't know if the Biden administration sees it. And I don't know if they care. Maybe they want – I'm not saying they want violence, but maybe they want to say, oh, look at all these people all riled up again, you know, uh, January 6th, uh, all over again. And yet they want us to forget about everything that happened during uh, all the protests in the summer of 2020, which were just absolutely horrible. They seem to want to – you know, they a lot of them supported those protesters and their bail funds and all that stuff. Uh, and I don't think any violence should happen, zero violence. Obviously, nobody wants to see it. But they don't seem to be thinking of that aspect. But you are absolutely right, and it is a big concern. And we certainly want peace in this country. Um, and you're right, people are just so divided. And what they're doing right now uh, doesn't help, that's for sure. Sal, thank you. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. It's the Rita Cosby Show. Well, you know I went to school in the South, so Sweet Home Alabama always gets me going on the Rita Cosby Show. I love this. A little Leonard Skinner. By the way, I saw them in action. I remember watching them and went backstage and hung out with them uh, when they were doing one of the Freedom Concerts for our troops. And they are great, great 
patriots and supporters of our troops. Love the guys. Love them. Well, we are talking, of course, about the potential of the affidavit and the Trump raid uh, coming out or not coming out. Uh, by the way, I always watch you guys and I look at all your tweets that come in and be sure to send me your comments at Rita Cosby on Twitter. Uh, Sharon wrote, I think it's very likely that Biden did not know about the raid in advance. I love this comment. Sharon says they could not take the chance that he would blurt it out in front of the media with his dementia. He is now high risk for them. And Sal writes me on Twitter again at Rita Cosby. He says, Rita, it looks like client lawyer privilege has become client lawyer FBI privilege. Also, if DOJ releases that affidavit, can they be trusted to release the actual copy or will it be an altered George Orwell 1984 version? Wow. How sad that the FBI that we feel so skeptical and question the FBI guys. That is a sad, sad place to be. Um, when we come back, by the way, everybody, we're going to continue with your calls about this and also some big news coming from California in the effort to recall soft on crime D.A. George Gascon, a huge development that's just come in. And we're going to talk to someone who works for George Gascon but was leading the recall effort against him because of his soft on crime policies. John Hatami is going to join us after the break to talk about the latest. And then we'll also continue your calls about Trump and more. You're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. It's the Rita Cosby Show. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment here on the Rita Cosby Show, where we honor our great military and also their families. A beautiful story coming from Rapid City, South Dakota. I love this place. I've been there a number of times. It's beautiful. And Harold Nelson, a World War II veteran, was presented there with the Medal of Valor for his bravery on the field. He was drafted, by the way, in 1941, and he is now 107 years old. Oh, my goodness. That's quite a birthday, 107 years old. He was wounded four times in battle. And he survived beach landings in Africa and in Europe during his time in the war. And the Medal of Valor isn't Nelson's only honor. He also earned the Silver Star, the third highest military decoration for valor in combat. And Nelson recounted, uh, describing what he went through, he said, The enemy was shooting at us from an empty house one time, and there was a tank along the side there that had been disabled. I ran across the open, I climbed upon the tank and fired a machine gun into the window, and the enemy surrendered. But then they threw a hand grenade out the window, uh, and it landed on my bag, and I threw the bag off my back so that it didn't hurt me. And he further said, the good Lord was definitely looking after me, I would say so. Now, Nelson said what he remembers the most is not that moment, not also food rations, not living in the ground for two years and all the difficult struggles, but most importantly, the men that he served with. And he said it was such an honor to be with some of the best people you could ever imagine in the U.S. military. Bravo to Harold Nelson. Wow, wow, wow. I would say he's earned it. A Medal of Valor. And he is now 107 years old. And we are talking now 
about the recall effort for George Gascon. That is that soft on crime DA in Los Angeles. We've talked about him. And of course, there's been an effort for a recall against him for some time in New York. Remember, you can't do a recall. We're waiting for the governor to stop giving Alvin Bragg slack and finally get rid of that guy because he's soft on crime in New York. Luckily, in San Francisco, there was an effort to get rid of via voters. Remember, they got enough votes. They put it on a recall effort. And Chesa Boudin did get ousted, the progressive prosecutor there, who was also soft on crime. So then the next big effort was in Los Angeles for George Gascon. And who could forget, this is the guy who seems to care a lot more about the perpetrator, the criminal, than the victim, based on some of the comments he's made, like this. best we can do is continue to work towards a safer community and doing the things that we know that work, like providing effective intervention when people are under probation, ensuring that we have transitional services when people are getting out of prison, because 95% of them do, ensuring that we have appropriate trauma recovery, working to ensure that people get employment, that they get housing, and they get the services that they need. And he seems to be spending a lot more time making sure that criminals get what they need as opposed to victims getting the comfort and support and justice that they deserve. And things were so apparent and continue to be that way in Los Angeles that this murder suspect uh, named Luis Hernandez basically was boasting to everybody because he said, listen, you know, uh, I got to hurry up and cut a deal and do it under George Gascon because he seems very sympathetic, basically, to criminals. And this guy's my hero, so much so I want to put his name on my face. I want to tattoo his name on my face. You know, it's a bad day when gang leaders and murder suspects are saying, God, we love you, D.A. George Gascon. Take a listen to what this guy said. It's looking real good. Now we have so they're going to... On four, I got caught on the 14th, fool. Right there in Compton, Thursday, so they're going to drop a gang of, um, like, my gun enhancement, my gang enhancement. My gang enhancement's 10 years, fool, for being a gang member. And then the gun and the commission of crime. I don't get that name on my face. That's a champ right there. Gascon. That's the Right there, bro, is making the story changes for all of us, fool, you know, so I'm just grateful, fool, like, I got good news off that <laughs> so at least now I know, like, they're like, you're coming home, blood, like, they already told me, my lord told me, you're coming home. That's not good when they're boasting of, God, that guy's a champ for criminals like me. I mean, that is not good news. And now some more bad news. Woke L.A. County D.A. George Gascon apparently has narrowly survived the recall effort uh, because a lot of the signatures that were submitted have been thrown out by the Los Angeles County Registrar. So I'm a little surprised how many were thrown out by the Registrar. We're going to talk about that and what this all means for justice or the lack thereof, sadly, for victims in Los Angeles. Joining us now is Deputy D.A. For L.A. County, one of them, and someone who works actually for George Gascon and was part of the effort to get a recall against the soft-on-crime DA, 
Jonathan Hatami. Uh, John, great to have you here on the Rita Cosby Show. Thank you so much for having me, Rita. What was your reaction um, to this new news? Um, I know that we've had you here on the show, uh, and you collected more than enough signatures. The effort did. Um, it was, what, over 715,000, almost 716,000, and they're claiming that almost like 200,000 of them were invalid. Are you surprised? And, and why are they saying they're invalid? You know, it was disappointing. Um, we've been fighting George Gascon for about 20 months. Uh, I've been fighting him uh, since December 7, 2020, when he took office. Um, and so really, you know, who lost was the victims, uh, their family members, you know, public safety lost, um, you know, law and order lost. Um, a, a lot of people um, were surprised, sad, and disappointed, um, you know, me as well. Um, I think people, though, throughout the country need to realize that George Gascon's approval rating is 29 percent, 37 cities representing 2.2 million people uh, have voted no confidence in him, and almost 98 percent of all of his deputy district attorneys have voted for him to be recalled. So because we didn't get the signatures verified, it doesn't mean that George Gascon won, and it doesn't mean that people support uh, his rogue and radical policies. What it should tell people is recalls are really difficult, Rita. It's difficult in L.A. County with 10 million people and about 6 million voters. You have to get 10%. That, that is about 567, 568,000 people need to sign uh, a recall petition to get somebody recalled in L.A. County. It's a tough task. So it, it, it's difficult. Um, but it doesn't. It shouldn't tell people to, not, to stop fighting. Uh, I'm going to keep fighting. I'm not leaving here. I'm not going to leave my job. I'm going to keep fighting and trying to expose all the bad things that George Gascon is doing. But it's sad. It's a sad day for the victims. It's a sad day for the people here in Los Angeles. It's a sad day for public safety. Yeah, it is surprising because you got so many signatures. And to your point, after they removed the ones that they said weren't valid or couldn't be verified, um, they got 520,000 signatures, which is still a heck of a lot. Um, and then, as you say, they needed 566, 857 valid signatures as to qualify for the right. ballot. I, I don't want to sort of sound like a conspiracy person, but it's kind of interesting that they threw out that many. Are you guys at least going to check to make sure that they legitimately were throwing out uh, signatures just to verify that that's a correct count? So what's going to happen is, and, and I'll tell you, you know, I view a lot of things as a prosecutor because that's what I am. And so, you know, I like to see evidence. And so if, if I do see evidence that there is fraud, I'm going to be the first one to step forward to say something about it. Right now, I haven't seen anything like that. However, the recall pack has attorneys, and they have 21 days to review uh, these signatures and bring attention to anything that they determine to be fraud. So they are going to check to make sure that uh, this was an accurate count. Um, I am a little disappointed that the registrar um, didn't allow um, people to watch uh, the, the signature verification process. Uh, I, I do believe in transparency. Yeah, that's interesting. That to be transparent. That's interesting. They wouldn't um, let you watch it. That's interesting. Yeah. And so, like you said, if the problem with that is it breeds 
conspiracies. It makes people doubt the government, and they're not sure what you're doing. Uh, and, and then a lot of people start thinking maybe something shady is happening. And so I, I'm a little disappointed in that. But I haven't seen anything to say that it's fraudulent. Um, I'm more of a person to say, listen, um, if we lost, okay, um, we're going to get back up. We're going to work harder. We're going to do better. The fight isn't over. It's just begun. Uh, George may be in office a little bit longer than we want him to be, just like Alvin Bragg. But 2024 is just around the corner. And so, you know, I'm sad that I think more people are going to be victimized. Crime is going to continue to increase. And that's why I was behind the recall 100%. But I'm not giving up. And nobody else should give up either. Um, we'll make sure that the registrar did what he was supposed to do. And if it's true that we didn't get the signatures, then we're going to keep fighting. We're going to keep bringing uh, attention to what George Gascon is doing. And we're going to try to help one another to make sure that we're helping people so people aren't victimized. And in 2024, I am promising you, Rita, and the people of the United States of America all over in New York, where I was born, that we are going to get George Gascon out of office. And if we have to wait two more years to do it, then we'll wait two more years to do it. Well, you know, I just want to say bravo to you, um, John Hatami, because you work there still in the DA's office, and you and I know a number of others, uh, deputy DAs that are there, uh, talk about the guts going after your boss, uh, because, you know, he's the senior guy there. What is it going to be like in the hallways? And have you seen him since this leading of the recall effort? So you're right. It's difficult and it's going to be a difficult two more years. Um, for, for 20 months, I still have never seen him. He's never come by my office. He's never talked to me about my cases. I handle very, very big, uh, heavy media uh, child murder cases. Um, I've never seen him once. Um, but I'm going to tell you, you know, I hope he doesn't think that he's emboldened. I hope he doesn't believe uh, that this means that he can continue his rogue and radical policies because he has another thing coming. I'm not leaving, and I'm not going to stop the fight, and a lot of other people aren't either. Um, it, it's going to be uncomfortable. But like I told you before, Rita, I didn't take the job as a deputy district attorney for the money. I took the job because I believe in what I'm doing, which is protecting the public, protecting abused and neglected children. And I'm going to keep doing that. And George Gascon's going to have to drag me out of that office uh, to get me out of there. I think that's going to be a difficult task for him to do. Well, you keep up the amazing fight. You're welcome back here on the show anytime, Jonathan. And thank you for all you are doing and also your other fellow deputy DAs and other theirs who have been part of that recall effort uh, to remember victims first and their rights Thank first. So Thank you. You've been a real hero to uh, citizens out there. Thank you so much, John. Thank you, Rita. Thank you very much. Wow, how beautiful to have somebody like that fighting. Think about the guts because he is in the office with George Gascon, even though George doesn't even come by the office, even though he's doing all these high-profile cases. Uh, but he is leading the charge because he wants victims' rights to be ahead of criminals' rights. And George Gascon and some of these other soft-on-crime DAs seem to blur those lines quite a bit. 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222. And we are also talking, speaking of rights and so forth, we are talking about the big hearing that's going to take place now, we know, this Thursday. And it is over the affidavit, whether or not that will be released in the raid of President Trump. He is asking, saying it should be out. He put out a message 
on a social media platform saying in the interest of transparency, I call for the immediate release of the completely unredacted affidavit pertaining to this horrible and shocking break-in, the home of the 45th president of the United States. And so he's saying it should come out. Uh, so far, the DOJ is fighting it, but it's going to go before this judge, Bruce Reinhardt, who I think should have recused himself. And I think the DOJ never should have put this case before this magistrate judge. Uh, it's going to be in West Palm Beach, Florida, of course, where Mar-a-Lago is located. And boy, all eyes are going to be on that courtroom on Thursday to see if they make a decision. And a lot of people believe that the judge will decide there and then whether everything, which is, I think, 0% going to get released. Uh, maybe a part gets released or nothing gets released. Uh, what do you think is going to happen? And do you think at least part of it should be released for the sake of justice? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Denise on line 8. Denise, you're here on the Rita Cosby Show. Go ahead, Denise. Hi, Rita. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Rita, what I find very scary is that when you get to a point that you have absolutely no trust in this current administration that has blatantly highlighted their corruption and has damaged our country in so many ways and damaged our principles right from day one, there's a lack of transparency, and this raid is over the top. So when do you get to a point which I have and several people have, that there is high suspicion that what is truth and, once again, is deception and more lies. Trump is a force to be reckoned with, but so are his followers. And there's grave division in this country, and they have put fuel on the fire. And it leads us to believe, like, what is this administration all about? What is their purpose? And when does it stop and who's next? Well, and that's why I think normal cases, you don't get the affidavit out. And a lot of times you don't even get a partial or anything like that out. But because of exactly what you said, that the stakes are so high and the world is watching. I mean, this is a stunning move. This is unprecedented. We're in uncharted territories, as any legal expert or anybody else will be able to say that. Um, it truly is, if you look at it, this has never been sort of looked at before. A former president of the United States, you know, war, you know, raids his home. They raid his home. And uh, it's under the administration of someone who is probably his biggest opponent and potentially his future opponent if the president decides to run again against Biden. So, I mean, there's so many questions here that I think, given the extenuating circumstances, there should be a partial release, at least something, because right now they just want to raid a president's home. We're getting mixed messages as to, God, it was urgent. Then, no, they had time to figure it out because they had decisions and meetings. Um, and they want us to believe that the raid was warranted, but they're not giving any evidence to do so. So I think for that reason, Denise, in the essence of justice, um, they need to at least release more information and put up or shut up. What do you think, Denise? I agree with you totally, and I have a total lack of respect, and I don't trust them. I do not, and I never would thought I would say that ever in my life, that I do not trust our government. And isn't that I sad? Think will do, and it's very sad. It's more than sad. It's scary. 
It it's is very scary. But what are we? What are we? What are we becoming as a nation? And the whole world is watching. And Biden and whatever they're doing, they're stumbling over everything. On oh, one day it's this. Oh no, we're going to do this. We're going to release this. No, we're not going to release this. We have this, but we don't have this. And we're going to show you this. I mean, come on. Where's the trust? Well, and they want us to believe that they want us to believe Biden had nothing to do with it, too, Denise, which is another thing that I find unbelievably hard to believe. Maybe he didn't, but somebody at the White House clearly did. They have discussions all the time with DOJ constantly and FBI. Uh, Literally, there's like an open line uh, where and especially now that we hear that they went back and forth. That like it was like weeks of meetings, you know, between DOJ and FBI. And you want me to believe that like at no point, maybe not with Biden directly, but that the White House, they want us to believe nobody at the White House had a clue that this was going to come down in any shape or form. Uh, that to me is inconceivable, given the dynamics and given the relationship with all of this, uh, whether they want to admit it or not is another thing. And whether they'll ever admit it or not is another thing, but that is inconceivable. Um, Denise, thank you uh, very, very much for your candor and your wonderful call. We're going to continue, everybody, after the break. 1-800-848-9222. It's the Rita Cosby Show. And you are listening to The Rita Cosby Show. We are talking about now a hearing scheduled for Thursday where the affidavit in the Trump raid may be released or something else may be released. What do you think? Should it and will it? 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Stuart in Pennsylvania. Stuart, your thoughts. Hey, Rita. Well, you're talking about the FBI, and I got a long history with the FBI and not trusting them. And I'll give you a little story, and it involved an agent that uh, played the part of JFK for the Warren Commission. And I happened to be dating his daughter, and we had gone out to dinner, and he asked me all kinds of questions because I'm dating his daughter. And uh, his daughter had told me, Barb said, don't say anything about JFK to my father. And I said, okay, fine. So when he was done questioning me, he said, uh, well, what do you think? And uh, this was after he told me that he played the part of JFK for the Warren Commission. And I said, Mr. Anderton, if the American people believe that uh, Oswald killed Kennedy, it'll be the biggest horse pill the American people will ever swallow. And what did he say? uh, This agent, this FBI agent, turned pure white. And I'm not embellishing. He turned pure white. And when I saw that, I thought, bingo. And so you come up to date with 9-11. And, and Stuart, do me a favor. Stuart, Stuart, do me a favor, just because we got a little bit of time. Let's let's bring it to the modern times. That's an interesting story, by the way. Um, but right. how about right now? What do you think in terms of Trump? Do you trust the FBI now and the DOJ now? No, I don't. And look what happened with 9-11, Boston bombing, and Sandy Hook. As far as I'm concerned, it's a sham. And you've got alphabetized agencies involved. They're all blackmailed and they're corrupted. Oh, and my God. Stuart, Stuart, you are rambling all over the place. Um, but there is distrust, sadly, of the FBI. There's still a lot of great people there, but there is sadly 
a lot of distrust. Let's go to uh, Helena in New Jersey on line seven. Go ahead, Helena. Make some sense, please. Okay. First of all, I thought the affidavit was supposed to be released last week. No, no, no. That was actually the search warrant. So should should this be released? Yes or no? Definitely. 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 And I think, by the way, I think it should, or at least part of it should, for justice, because you can't treat President Trump, a former president, like a second-class citizen. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.